months but better late than never um three weeks until the draft but we're just here to recap all the things that happened in the last month and a half um what's going on i haven't seen i haven't even seen you i mean this is the yeah, first time I know. Seen each other. it has been an absolutely crazy month and a half uh it seems like you know time has flown by since we did that last podcast you know what's the date today April 6th. I, I came check. Yeah. So I think we did our pod about a month ago because it was right before free agency tampering and all of that. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to think that, you know, free agency and all that buzz was literally three weeks ago because it feels like it was like 10 years ago at this yeah. point, you know, when the Bengals signed when and, all yeah. they got done and, and, and they got a lot done. We'll get into that, but you know, how have you been last this past month? I mean, it, it, we're, we're, we're counting down the days. Counting down the days, three weeks until the draft. You know, normally the last month, and I know it is for you and I, the last couple of years, the last month has just been how many mock drafts can I do? Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't even – I mean, I've done a couple of mock drafts, but, like, this has been the most off my mind that football has been in a very long time. Yeah, and I think it's good for us because um, because usually we're doing mock drafts in December, uh, at, at at the you know latest early January. Yeah. So it's kind it's kind of nice to you know for it to be April, and I haven't done a heavy dose of mock drafts yet. It's kind of nice, it, you know. And, and the difference is is we're used to picking one or five or ten, and there's kind of a clear picture of who's going to be there. And if you do a mock draft at us at 31, there's just so many scenarios where it's almost not worth doing one. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and as the draft gets closer, we'll kind of talk about what the Bengals options are at 39. I think we're both, I don't think we formally discussed it, but I think the pervasive thought in the fan base is that they're going to go with a certain position and we can broach that topic later today. But what we, what we're here to talk about today is, all the free agent madness. Now that the dust has settled, we're going to take a look at, you know, we're going to evaluate how, how, how the Bengals did um, in this off season. Um, and I'm just going to start off by saying they did pretty damn well. Yeah, they did really well on the first three, four days. It's been quiet since then even though they still have about nine to what nine to $11 million in cap space left over the caps got them at uh, 18.7. Now that doesn't include what they're going to spend on draft picks and okay. practice. Okay. Okay. So yeah, about eight or $9 million in cap space left. 
Yeah. So, you know, they did a great job first unofficial official um, quickest contract deal in NFL history, uh, 10 seconds to get Alex cap on a four year uh, $40 million deal. Uh, yeah, Ted Karras was next. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah let's, yeah. let's dive into Kappa first. Let's just yeah. dive into Kappa. I love this signing. Love, love, love it. He is, he, the four years, $40 million, but it's, you know, it's a typical Bengals contract where they've got easy outs after the third and fourth years um, that make it so that this is a very yeah. team friendly contract and you are getting a guy who has championship pedigree. He's big, he's durable, and, you know, he might not be flashy, but he is 15 times over an upgrade from what they had last year. Yeah, and, and we talked about this before. They just need somebody who is not average but solid um, because I would argue, you know, Quentin Spain was average or, you know, Akeem Adenji at times last year was average but they need somebody above average and Alex Kappa is definitely above average. Now he's not Brandon Scherf, who was another option. Uh, he's not, I wouldn't say he's a top eight, nine guard, but yeah. I'd say he's top 15, you know, 14, 15. And, and that's all they need. And, you know, you know, we'll get into this Ted Karras signing as well, but they did what they did last year. So they didn't pay William Jackson that money and they split it into two contracts. They got Ch- Cheeto and they got Mike Hilton. Uh, they did the same thing this year with Ted Karras and Alex Kappa. Um, they signed two guards for the price of what Brandon Scherf signed with the Jags. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if things fall their way in the draft and Tyler Linderbaum were to say fall to 31 um, and Ted Karras doesn't have to play center and he plays guard, you are looking at all of a sudden the strength of this team. But I think the more important element of this signing is – and you know, maybe this, this would have been a bigger storyline if we had done the podcast that day, but, you know, signing a top of the market guard, top of the market, meaning who was available top of the market guard, right. When free agency opens, that tells everybody right away, listen, we knew that this was a problem last year and we're going to fix it. And we're going to protect our investment. The investment being Joe Burrow and, by opening up free agency and signing Alex Kappa and Ted Karras in tandem in the first five or six hours of the window, that was all any Bengals fan wanted to see was for them to go get those two guys. Yeah. Because in the past we've seen, you know, well below average guard play and tackle play. And we, we, we've seen the reaction, what it's been, it's been, Oh, we like our guys in house. Uh, we're going to develop our guys in house. We're going to draft the position. And then they finally realize, hey, the cap's going up 25 mil a year. We don't have to pay Joe for another two years. Uh, it's not going to hit the, you know, the, the cap hit um, won't hit our books until th- basically three years from now. So let's go out. Let's spend on guard. Let's spend on center. Um, and then, the, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit after we talk about these two. But the Lael Collins deal was, I, I mean, he only has a $4 million cap hit. I, I, for the life of me, I cannot understand how they maneuvered him to accept that. Deal. I mean, they must have, they must have had like blackmail on him or they must have blackmailed him to sign this contract. Cause it is absolutely ridiculous. It is preposterous, but you know, we, we heard them like all throughout 
the lead up to free agency at the combine and through various different mediums, we heard Frank Pollock say, I want glass eaters. I want guys that are just going to freaking maul the opposition. And Alex Kappa, Lyle Collins, Lael, I, 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 sorry, mispronounced it, Lael and Ted Karras are freaking glass eaters. Those guys are maulers in the run game. Lyle Collins is, you know, Lyle Collins signs with the Bengals and his first call to Joe Burrow is, listen, the bodyguard's in town. Nobody's touching you now. That is rhetoric that three years ago we would have laughed and been like, why the hell is Bobby Hart saying this? But now you have this newfound confidence in the Bengals front office to sign high quality players. And you're like, you know, I'm not going to debate that. He probably is not going to let anybody protect Joe Burrow. Or yeah. And, Joe Burrow. And, and the Bengals get rewarded because of another team not being able to handle their cap situation. I think that's going to be important the next couple of years as well is the Bengals are going to have to pay Higgins and Chase and Burrow and, you know, Logan Wilson and all these guys. I know the cap's going to go up, but they're going to need to find bargains like this. And, I mean, this is a great first step. A three-year deal, basically worth 21 mil um, for a top eight, nine right tackle in the game. I mean, who who's still only – how old is he, 27, 28? I mean, it is – 29, 29. Okay, still, though. I mean, that's till he's 32. That that's just such a good deal. I think all these were great deals. Over the cap has him valued at $10 million a year. And like you said, the Bengals have him at a cap hit of $4.2 million this year. Well, and now we realize why the Bengals didn't trade for him because they would have had to take on his three-year $30 million uh, deal. And, and you know what? That That's the other important element of this because the Cowboys threw up that smokescreen of, well, we're going to try to – well, we're going to let him seek a trade. Um, and he apparently didn't find a dance partner. And what did the Cowboys do? The Cowboys were like, all right, we'll just release him, take the mm-hmm. – save the cat money. And the Bengals were right on it. As soon mm-hmm. as L. Collins hit the market, he was in Cincinnati on a visit at the Kenwood Mall doing all this weird stuff uh, at the recruitment dinner. And – by God, you end up with a totally remade right side of the line. You end up with a guy you feel more comfortable with at center than Trey Hopkins. And now the only hole, semblance of a hole that you have on this offense going into a draft where offense isn't a great, you know, talent depth is left guard. And, you know, do you feel comfortable with Jackson Carmen at left guard? Eh, but if he's your weakest guy, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we've talked about this hundreds of times on this podcast. Bad offensive linemen are way worse than average NFL offensive linemen. Um, and, you know, you give Jackson Carmen one offseason. I think, you know, they spent a mid-second round pick on him last year. I really wouldn't be surprised if they don't go linemen in the first two rounds because of that reason. Um because of that investment, I think, but yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I, and I really, I really wouldn't be surprised. I also wouldn't be surprised if they bring Quentin Spain back on a small one-year deal. That's what I'm wondering, and you know, we'll get to the uh, the other offense contract that they signed, and then the one guy on defense. <laughs> but um, 
what I'm wondering is what the deal with the Quentin Spain issue is because they've clearly got the space to sign him, whether it's faith in Jackson Carmen or faith in the fact that there's going to be a guy at 31, whether it be Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, who they feel comfortable drafting and letting compete for that spot. You know, I would feel comfortable if the training camp battle that we're watching is Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, and Quentin Spain or a rookie between those four. I would feel very comfortable with a competent starter coming out of that group. Um, Jackson Carmen just makes me very nervous if, if he's the starting left guard. Yeah, and I, and I think they're waiting on Quentin Spain probably to get some leverage, um, try to get him on maybe a, maybe a veteran's minimum deal, maybe not have to pay him two, three mil a year, which he's probably asking for. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I, and I think they should sign him or another veteran like him because, I mean – they're one injury away to Alex Kappa to having to start a chemodenergy again or Deontay Smith. So the, the if you have the cap space and it's only a mil, um, I think if they send him for a veteran's minimum, his cap hit would only be 850K or 825K. I think that's how that works. So that would be a great deal for a solid – I mean, his PFF grade last year was a 73. That's not that bad. Wow. That's really not that bad. Um, and, you know – you know, you said one other person on offense. Let's get into this. So CJ Uzama leaves. I was go very, very, very surprised by that. Very surprised. Very. Especially. And I was, yeah, go ahead. I think that the Bengals matched his offer that he got from the Jets, and he still went I, to the Jets. I believe so, too. Uh, it's it's a blessing in disguise, I believe. For I agree. Bengals. I agree. Because, what, so what does over the cap have the Hayden Hurst deal at? Um, lastly, the details on the Ted Karras deal is three oh. years for eighteen million. I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, there. his first um, year cap lower too, so it's not it's not too bad. They did a great job. Um, they have the Hayden Hurst deal one year for three point five. I mean, that is, I mean, you could argue. And I know Hayden Hurst, you know, played professional baseball for a little bit, was an older rookie, a little older now, but doesn't have the miles on him like some other tight ends. Hayden Hurst is arguably a better receiving tight end than CJ Uzama. Uh, not the locker room presence, but in the NFL, you don't pay locker room presence. You pay talent and you pay production. And I think Hayden Hurst can come in and, and, and do what CJ Uzama did last year, especially. And, 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 and I, I, they definitely will draft the tight end this year in the draft. I don't know when, but I, I definitely think they will. Yeah. I think that uh, what you said is exactly true. The, the difference between the talent level of Hayden Hurst and CJ Uzama is negligible. You know, you could argue CJ Uzama is better. You could argue Hayden Hurst is better. Hmm. I think you can argue that till the sun, um, till the cows come home. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. The, the vast majority of CJ's value to this team last year was as a locker room presence, locker room leader. And listen, I don't think that can be underrated, but, you have some very strong leaders on this team and, you know, are they really going to pay? I think Uzoma is getting 8 million a year from the jets. Are you really going to pay four and a half million dollars more for a locker room presence. Um, when let's be honest, the Bengals don't use the tight end a whole lot. Um, when they do use the tight end, it's mostly check down stuff. So you're getting Hayden Hurst who has reliable hands, almost never drops the ball. You're getting him at three and a half million dollars a year for one year. And then you can draft a guy in the draft and develop him. And then next year you come in and the tight end room is totally remade. 
um, because Drew Sample will finally be gone. Um, I love this signing. This is underrated. This was my favorite signing that they made because the exact reasons that you just stipulated, you know, you just don't pay CJ Uzama four and a half million dollars more than you pay Hayden Hurst because he's a nice guy. Love CJ, yeah. but he's not worth $8 million a year. Absolutely not. And not only that, it's a three-year deal. So yes. you're stuck with him for three years. Hayden Hurst, say Hayden Hurst flops. It's one year. Okay. That's fine. Um, they don't use the tight end that much anyway. Say Hayden Hurst gets hurt. Uh, they have to use Drew Samplemore. That's fine. They'll go four wide out sets. They don't really care. You know, it's not, it's not a crazy big deal. Drew Sample's good enough that if you need to get, if he needs to get three catches for 35 yards, he can do that. Um, and, and they can live, especially with the weapons they have on the outside. So it, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, I am very pleased at what they did on the offensive side of the ball. You know, just to recap, they lose Auden Tate, which, you know, they didn't really use him last year anyway because he was hurt or because they just didn't decide to use him. Um, I think you will see them take a receiver in the fourth or the fifth round of the draft as a sort of developmental guy. But you look at this offense now and you got Joe Burrow and O-line, man. Yeah, and, and, and we'll get into a draft stuff later, um, you know, maybe not in this episode, but, you know, eventually. But um, I, I'm, t- I'm telling you, if, if they get one of those guards or Linderbaum, the center or the uh, center from Iowa at 31, there is not a resemblance, you said it earlier, of a hole on the offensive side. And we've seen, you know, defense in the NFL is very, very sporadic year to year. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, the prime Seahawks or, you know, whoever. Defense is really hard to replicate, but offense always carries. And this Bengals offense should be able to carry for a while um, if they they get that left guard shirt up, whoever that is. Yeah, whoever that is. So very pleased with what they did on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Brought back back Brandon Allen um, as the backup to Joe Burrow. Um, they signed some backup tight end yesterday, Mitch, I think his name is Mitch Eubanks. Is that really that important? No. Uh, Stanley Morgan comes back on a two-year deal, which is huge for special teams and huge for blocking on the outside. Um, his value can't be understated. Trey Hopkins is cut. Um, and I think that's just about it, um, from the offensive side of things. Switching to the defense and perhaps the biggest storyline of the Bengals offseason that has kind of maybe influenced where they've spent most of their money is the Jesse Bates contract situation. So they were unable to reach an extension before the deadline of March 15th. So Jesse Bates will play the will play next season on the franchise tag. And that franchise tag is $12.9 million. Um, so makes him, I think that's like the, that would be the fourth highest paid safety in the league uh, at that value. Um, so they're unable to reach contract extension. It seems like, and I want to ask your input on this. It seems like this is going to be Jesse Bates last season as, as a Bengal. You know, I don't want that to happen. Um, but I don't think that they're going to do these guarantees until the Joe Burrow contract. So we might be a a year too early on that because 
but I didn't realize I've been watching a ton of, you know, stuff about the, 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 like the details of Deshaun Watson and all these, you know, big, you know, big name guys, but I didn't realize how much money they guarantee in a contract they have to put in an escrow account um, separate. And, you know, the Bengals, it, it, how much money I'm trying to think here. So Jesse Bates probably wants 17, 18 mil a year. You would have to imagine because you would think that if he wanted to be paid equal amount to Justin Simmons or Buda Baker, the Bengals would gladly fork that over. But if he's asking to reset the safety market by $3 million, you know, we both love Jesse Bates. He was instrumental in them making the Super Bowl last year. You're not paying a safety $18 million a year. You're just not. Listen, and you know, I love Jesse Bates, but the thing about safety is, is that safety isn't, one of the biggest positions of need on a team that wins in the NFL. Um, and the only way that Jesse Bates would stay is if it's a good deal for the Bengals. Um, and Jesse Bates agent is, you know, I didn't, I also looked this up. Jesse Bates. Yeah. Jesse, Jesse Bates agent literally represents the top like 15 safeties um, in the safety market. Um, and he represents he's like, Jalen Ramsey. And he represents yeah. Higgins, which is not good. No, it is T Higgins. I didn't T Higgins. T Higgins is going to ask for a lot, a lot of money. Um, they should have traded up. They should have. They should have traded up to thirty-two to pick T Higgins. So they have that fifth-year option. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, but no, the Jesse Bates thing. I, I really wouldn't be that mad if they let him walk or they traded him because I'd rather have that first-round pick or second-round pick they get for him then have him on the team making 20 mil because they don't have, you know, if he wants 70% of that guaranteed out of that four year, you know, they don't have 60 mil just to put in an escrow account along with the 240 mil that Joe Burrow's going to have their guys to put away along with the 200 mil they got to put away for Jamar chase. You know, it's it, it, the, the Bengals don't have this kind of money. No, no, they do not. Um, you know, it's sad because, you know, a lot of people will say it's the Bengals. Like, what do you expect? Like the cheap franchise, but the, the two highest cap hits on their roster are both free agent D linemen, Trey Hendrickson and DJ reader. And those guys are so hard to replicate what they do. And it's so hard to find high level edge rushers and high level D linemen in the draft. I mean, that's why Miles Garrett was the number one overall pick. That's why when you're looking at this year, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker, all those guys are going to be at the beginning of the first round. You can find another Jesse Bates. And I'm not saying you can't find another Trey Hendrickson, but it's much harder to find a guy who will get 14 sacks than it is to find a guy who will get five interceptions. Well, um, yeah. And I think that the, the thing about that is, you know, usually guys who get 14 sacks don't hit the market. Yeah. I think that's the difference. And then, you know, like, like you said, edge is just a crapshoot because you could be the most athletic guy and just be terrible. Um, or, you know, you could be undersized like Aaron Donald, you know, you just, you just never know with, you know, not even edge rushers, but like just pass rushers. You just don't really know. Yeah. And, you know, lo looking ahead to the draft, I will say that safety is 
should definitely be in consideration at the 31st pick, given the fact that I didn't realize, I thought we had Von Bell on a four-year deal. Turns out we have him on a three-year deal and his deal is up after this year. So you're looking at the likelihood of having to replace both him and Jesse Bates next off season. So potentially getting that successor in place would be a great way to go about things, but I digress because that's draft talk and we're here to talk about um, free agency. They did sign BJ Hill. Yeah. Three years, $30 million with a cap hit of $8.3 million in the first year, which exactly to the point we were just talking about, that's what you have to pay a starting three technique in the NFL. That's what you yeah, have to and, and this is probably my least favorite deal they signed. I agree. Um, I think it was you a know, little bit of a reach. Now, it was a little bit of a reach, but to be fair, after seeing – I know Larry, the Larry Ogunjobi deal with the Bears fell through because of his physical. Uh, it was like three years, what, 42 mil? Yeah. Um, after seeing that, you know, I, I like the deal more because, you know, in my opinion, BJ, the difference between B.J. Hill and Larry Ogunjobi is not that much. No, I agree. Um, but it's kind of hard to fathom paying a guy, you know, basically 10 mil a year – um, you know, eight, whatever, 8.3 in the first year that you traded for Billy Price. Um, and, and, and and I get it. He played well, but did he play that well? You know what I mean? To, to pay him that kind of money. And I know their depth there is terrible, so they had to. But it's just it's it's hard for me to fathom that they paid him that much. Yeah. It, it, it seems like the two positions this year that were victim to overpay were corner because J.C. Jackson literally, I think, owns the L.A. Chargers now with how much money they gave him. Uh, and D-tackle. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi is, is simply not worth $14 million a year. And I know he failed his physical. I don't know what the Bears were thinking about paying him $14 million a year. Um, good for the Bears, I guess, that he failed the physical because I can't fathom paying $14 million a year for a guy – who is a defensive tackle, like maybe for an edge rusher, but a D tackle. Uh, and not only D tackle and a D tackle who only had seven sacks Yeah. or it wasn't like he was an Aaron Donald or, uh, you know, he had 13, 14 sacks. It was like, what was it? Seven, seven yes. and a half. I mean, that's not worth $14 million a year. And maybe it's just the new NFL with the cap going up and people uh, having different needs, but. I think the cap going up, you're going to start to see more teams overpaying teams like the Bengals overpaying to keep their guys, you know, and the Bengals usually in the past have had to overpay to keep guys just because it's Cincinnati. It's not LA or Miami or whatever, but BJ Hill is going to be the starting three technique. And I feel very comfortable with him as the starting three technique. But they have a ginormous hole uh, behind him in uh, as the backup three technique. Ginormous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, it, it, and you know, the, the thing about last year, the thing about losing Larry Ogunjobi too, is even with both of them, there was still pass rush issue, pass rush, pass rush issues. If I can even say it, jeez. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there were still problems, though, even with both of them. So they really, really need to address this because I guess Sam Hubbard can move inside. But then, I Sam mean, we're 
banking off Joseph Asai. You know, we're banking on him um, and we're banking on Trey Hendrickson improving. Um, So it's going to be interesting how their pass rush plays this year. Um, But, you know, I'm not mad with the BJ Hill signing, but they might need one more interior guy. Um, other than that, on defense, they didn't do a whole lot. Uh, re-signed Eli Apple to a $4 million one-year deal. And that was about it for all of their free agent, um, free agency activity. Um, overall, I give them a B plus for the free agency. Um, I think that there was definitely a move they could have made at corner to make it so it kind of feels like they're pigeonholing themselves into taking a corner at 31 right now. And I don't like that, but I like all the moves they made on offense. BJ Hill felt like a bit of an overpay and it, it just sucks that it feels like this is going to be Jesse Bates last year as a Bengal. Yeah. You know, they might tag him again. Um, but the, the odds of them working on a long-term contract extension without you know, the Bates camp probably conceding a lot of things. It's, it's probably not very realistic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what letter grade would you give them? I gave them a B plus. What would you say? Yeah, I, I'd give them a B plus or an A minus. The only reason I might give them an A minus is because of the, you know, the timing of those O-line signings that, you know, they were aggressive with it. Um, they had a lot of cap and they put most of that towards the O-line, which I love. And then, might bump it up to a minus two because you know i know they've been preaching they pay their own guys i know jesse bates didn't get signed but i think you know we've talked about it enough today but i think there's more behind that i think he's asking for something crazy um and that's that's not really the Bengals' fault um but but i like them re-signing you know their own guy bj hill i like it it sets a good precedent um with that as well um and just sort of looking forward to the draft i will say this in the, so last year and the year before, they really hammered home signing guys on defense. You know, mm-hmm. two years ago, it was Von Bell, DJ Reader. Last year, it was Trey Hendrickson, Chidobe Awuzier, Mike Hilton. And, you know, we, for, for, we really haven't seen them go out and sign offensive free agents because they've decided to attack offense in the draft. You know, you look both years with Zach Taylor here in the draft – they have taken offense, 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 offense. Um, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Jackson Carmen. I think this year we see a reverse of that, and I think we're going to see a defense-heavy draft for the most part. I, it, yeah. yeah. I think we're looking at a first-round corner. Yeah, I think we're either looking at a first-round corner or, you know, if somebody slips uh, best player available on defense. I don't know if it's like, you know, there's, I don't know, there, I think there's any way Devin Lloyd falls that far or like, you know, I, I'm a, a Kobe Dean, another linebacker, or something like that. If there's somebody there that's just miles ahead of, um, you know, a, a, of everyone else. But, yeah, I'm thinking corner, um, maybe Daxton Hill. He's like a safety corner hybrid. I know he went. The, the inner Ohio know, State fan in me does not want him, but, man, the, the things that they could do on defense with him would be very nice. Yeah, and, 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 and he could either replace Jesse Bates or um, or Von Bell or play corner. So a lot of things you can do with him. Yeah. Um, other than that, that's pretty much all of the free agency stuff. Yeah. 
now moving uh, to another topic, looks like we're going to be getting an indoor practice facility. Yeah, it's the Joe Burrow effect. Uh, it, it is definitely the Joe Burrow effect. He, I don't, he's changed the city. I don't know how to describe it. They're, they're, they're not frugal with money anymore. It, 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 it's the Blackburns, I think. I don't know, but um, Katie Blackburn comes out last week and says that um, they are actively looking at uh, solutions for the indoor practice facility and that something is imminent and something will happen soon. So that's great news. You know, um, for so long, the casual NFL fan um, has criticized the Bengals for not having an indoor facility, which, you know, I kind of agree with. We can all agree with. But um, it's kind of been the um, sticking point for a lot of criticism. Well, the Bengals suck. You don't even have an indoor facility. So nice to see that a nice changing of the tide is taking place um, there with that. Um, not really a whole lot of other breaking news. Um, this is kind of a slow time for the NFL circuit, but the draft is three weeks away. So it's, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. And, and, you know, for, for a little, for a little preview to the uh, indoor practice practice facility as well, I want to say it's not surprising, you know, when people get mad, you know, I've been seeing this, you know, Pat McAfee says it all the time. They don't have an indoor practice facility. A bunch of other people say that, um, you know, the Bengals don't make any money outside of football. So they don't have, they are one of the poor. Now I say poor Mike Brown's net worth is like four mil. Okay. But people don't realize how much indoor practice facility costs. You know what I mean? So they don't have this multi-billion dollar tech business to, to fund SoFi Stadium or, you know, whatever else. They don't have a bunch of real estate. They literally only own the Bengals. So they don't have enough. They don't have money outside. They're not, they're not getting $850 million like the Bills just did from the state to build a new stadium. Oh, after that last, after Paul Brown was built, I don't think the city of Cincinnati is ever going to give the Bengals another dime. Yeah. Ever. And that's the other issue. So, um, and then that's come up this off season just because of the new stadium deals that are happening. Apparently the chiefs are going to move out of Arrowhead, which in my opinion is just terrible. That is, <laughs> that is just dumber than hell. Like the bears moving out of soldier field. <laughs> bears are going to move out of soldier field. Um, you know, I could care less about the Titans and the Panthers moving. I mean, they're irrelevant. Um, but the Bills are building a brand new $1.4 billion stadium in New yeah. York, and they just got $850 million from the state of New York to build the goddamn stadium. I mean, that's cr- now, 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 to be fair, uh, the owner is literally a billionaire. I know, but to be, f- I mean, to be fair, um, New York has a lot more money than, than, than Ohio does. Well, let me see what this guy owns because, oh, he owns Pagula Sports Entertainment, which evidently – this guy's net worth is $5.8 billion, and he couldn't fork over some of his own money to build a stadium. That's just pitiful. I mean, I know an owner who doesn't spend money, uh, spend money on uh, his team either. You talk about – you talk about Fred's update? Talking about Reds update, Bob. Sell the team, Bob. Oh, we're, we'll get into that in a second after this trivia question. But um, 
you know, the Bengals have 2026 is when the technically the lease ends at Paul Brown Stadium, but then they've got 10 years that they can extend the lease on down the road. I don't think, like you said, I don't think that the city is going to bankroll a new stadium for the Bengals. So that brings in, are the Bengals going to sell naming rights to build a stadium? So we just have to wait and see. And the thing about the Bengals is they're going to want to keep the stadium downtown. And where in God's name are you going to build a stadium downtown? I mean, it'd have to be in the same location. They'd have to knock it down. Yeah, so uh, they're, they're playing at Nippert for two years. Yeah, exactly. So It's, it's a bad situation. I, I, it, it, even might, it might have to be Northern Kentucky. I mean, at that point, you know what I mean? That would just, that would cause such a riot because people already associate Cincinnati with Kentucky. If they move the football team and put it in Kentucky. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, that's where all the, uh, that's where all the trashy fans come from. All the, all the, all the Bengals fans from Ohio were very classy. (laughs) We're the classiest fans in the NFL from what I've heard. I think honestly, I think Bengals fans are the classiest fans in the AFC North. Well, it's definitely not Steelers fans, and it's definitely, it's definitely not Browns fans. And are there are there even are there even are Ravens? There, do Ravens fans exist? <laughs> I think they, they I think they only exist in Twitter uh, in Twitter threads because I see them all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've met maybe two Ravens fans in my life. I don't think they exist. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Best running back in the league, though, but. Uh, What's this trivia? That's my number one running back in fantasy, baby. I know you're talking about Lamar, but I'm talking about Dobbins. Okay. Um, Last thing Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, all the moves that were made in the AFC this offseason. I mean, Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Deshaun Watson, um, Matt Ryan, um, J.C. Jackson to the Chargers. Uh, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, Von Miller. All these moves that were made in the AFC this year. How comfortable do you feel about the Bengals still being at the top end of the AFC? Right. So let me do that. Give me your top five teams in the AFC right now, today. Um, okay, I'll go one. I'll go Bills because they have the number one offense and defense last year. I didn't realize that. Um, back and forth. I'll say my number one too. I'm the okay. Bills. The Bills are the best team in the NFL. Are we going on paper? On paper. Okay. I think the Chargers are two. Um, I mean, adding Khalil Mack and JC Jackson, bringing back Mike Williams, Justin Herbert, um, coming back. I think on paper they're number two, but I think their coaching staff definitely, you know, I, I think they hold them back. But I think on paper they're two for sure. I got the Bengals at number two. Okay. Okay. Um, Three, you're gonna get mad at me for this. I still got the Chiefs at three. Okay. I think that three, I think three, four, and five for me are kind of the same thing. Um, but I can I, the Chiefs at three because you're betting the fact that Mahomes is going to be this good without Tyreek Hill. And that's that is a fair assessment. Yes. Yeah, it, 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 and I think he will be. Um, yeah, so three was the Chiefs for me. I think four is the Broncos. I, that's who I was – my three and four were Chiefs-Broncos. 
Yeah. And, and I honestly, I, I'm going to say this. I don't think the Broncos are going to be as good as people think. I'm, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Because Russ is kind of regressed. I don't, I don't know if, he's going to, if they're going to be as good. Um, and also, let's get this out of the way. I don't think the Raiders are going to be that good either. Um, okay. And I don't want that guy to say it, but I don't think they're going to be that good. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> but I think five, and, you know, I have to do this. Um, I don't have to. It's the, it's the Browns. You know what? I wasn't going to say the Browns. Who were you going to say? I was either going to say the Ravens or the Titans. Um, All right. I mean, the Titans were the one seed. So it's kind of hard to put them lower than that. I think the Browns could be if Deshaun Watson doesn't get suspended, but I think he's getting suspended. I, I, I have the Browns comfortably at number five. And I think it, I think it is those five teams ahead of the pack. And then I think you have a group of Ravens, Raiders, Colts, Titans, Patriots, Jaguars in that next group. And then the one team that everybody is on board with that I think is not going to be that good. And I've told you this, the dolphins, I don't think they're going to be that good. Oh, I don't think so either. Um, I, I, I think two is really, really bad. I like, bad. like I, and then did he end up, did he end up leading the NFL in completion percentage? Didn't Joe pass him? Uh, it was close. Okay. But it was funny because the whole time Joe Burrow led the NFL in yards per attempt, and then Tua was like what last or, or bottom three or something like that. And their completion percentage was basically the same, so it was funny. So that's kind of where things stand in the AFC. Um, it's going to be really fun. The AFC is going to be really fun. It is stacked now. Now it makes me upset because the Bengals, you know, chance to go back to Super Bowl is about five percent. Yeah. So it's low, but it, it's not impossible with Joe Burrow, but it's it, – brother, it's low. Um, the AFC is stacked. Luckily, we'll get to laugh at the Steelers all year because Mitch Trubisky is going to be their starting quarterback, and that is hilarious. Do you know the contract details on that? No. Do you know? No. Is it is it available yet or no? Well, let me, I'll, you, I'll, I'll look real quick. Because I, I never saw anything about that. I mean, whatever it is, they're paying him too much money. I mean, a dollar is probably too much. Two years, $15 million with a cap hit of 3.6 this year. Oh, my God. Okay, that's actually not uh, – that's better than what Big Ben was doing for him. So, so they are going to be really bad. Really, I don't – Really bad. <laughs> really I bad. Hope, I hope so, man. I hope so. Their O-line is so bad. <laughs> I think I think we should um, submit an application uh, to play for him this year. I did hear that they are looking at Desmond Ritter in the first round. That wouldn't be that bad. I he, I just have a feeling that if they drafted him, he would torch the Bengals twice a year for the next fifteen years. <laughs> I think that's just the uh, the PTSD from Big Ben. PTSD <laughs> probably is. All right. Um, Trivia or no, let's go Reds update and then we'll end with trivia. Um, <laughs> we traded everybody. <laughs> um, I'm all in on this season. I'm officially all in. Uh, I think I'm going to put a futures bet in on over and uh, Reds wins. Um, yeah, I, you know, 
I've talked myself into it. The rotation's good. The lineup is adequate. They've been mashing during spring training. I, I, I think I'm in. I'm not letting him break my heart again this year. No, I'm <laughs> well, going to okay. go break my heart. I'm not I'm doing go entirely pessimistic until they prove to me that they have the desire to win, not the players, but the front office. Well, here, here, you know, the funny part is I'm taking this red season approach. Like I usually take a Bengals season approach. I'm going to be really angry and really pessimistic until they prove me wrong. Listen to their opening schedule. Literally, I think they might win three games out of their first, like, 15. <laughs> okay, they open – so the, we're releasing the – we're recording this the day before they open the season at Atlanta for four games, and they're starting three uh, three unknowns, basically, against a really good offense. This Re- Revere San Martin guy who apparently – he pitched well in the spring. And then you're starting Gutierrez and Hunter Green, which – very excited to see Hunter Green, but you're starting three of those four guys against the Braves in Atlanta. So let's just say they're going to lose three or four there. And you have two games against the Guardians. You know, they, they, yeah. Uh, and then you got four games at LA and four games or three games in San Diego. I don't see any way in hell they win more than two of those. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to be very surprised after the first 15 games, either very surprised like one and 14 or very surprised like 10 and five. I think, I I think the offense is going to be better than we expect. And I think the pitching, the bullpen is going to suck like it did last year. And Mally Mally's just a walking home run as we know. So the difference is remember that it's so funny. We'll tell the, we'll tell the audience. We went to that. Your dad got us those nice seats last year. Was it? Was that your dad or your mom that got us the seats? Yeah, that was my dad. <laughs> and we went and we were so excited. Game, uh, Mally Day, you know, it was what is a Wednesday. They're playing the Cubs that have like a double A team. Yeah. He gives eight earned in the first two winnings. It's like 110 degrees. Him and Gutierrez are peas in a pod because they're both human batting tees. But, um, you know, you know, I, you know, one thing, you know, one last thing, cause you know, I don't even know if the reds are worth an update. Uh, Nick Lodolo, the, their starting pitcher this year, he is going to show the MLB that he is elite. I am. I'm excited to watch our young guys like I, yeah. India, Barrero, Stevenson, green and Lodolo and Senzel excited to watch a healthy Senzel, but good God, the, every two innings when they send Mike Moustakis to the plate and he strikes out looking fastball on the outside corner. I'm going to get pissed and I'm going to text you and I'm going to get called irrational for expecting him to get one hit a week. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one hit a week machine is gone. Shogo has been cut. (laughs) Hey, I'm the new guy, Mike Moustakis. Hey, I'm the new guy, Mike Moustakis. I, I, I have three hits in the month of July. And it's the 30th. <laughs> yeah. I have 96 plate appearances and have three hits. Oh, my God. Um, so, we'll see. I, I'm excited to have baseball back. I love watching the Reds, but I'm going to get pissed when they lose. So, right, I think I need to get into a heavy-duty fantasy baseball league this year just so I can have something to cheer for and look forward to in the baseball season. I'll play fantasy baseball with you. Yeah. All right. Um, 
let's wrap it up. Trivia question. Where, where, I know you know this, but our audience might not know this. Yeah. Where did Ted Karras and Alex Kappa play college football? Oh, God. Okay, hold on. I thought you knew this. No, no. The Humboldt is uh, Kappa, right? Humboldt State in California for Alex Kappa. Is Ted Karras D1? Yes. Is it Kansas? Close. It's, It's in the Big Ten, but it's similar program to Kansas. Like, they suck. Um, Nebraska? <laughs> no. <laughs> Big Ten? Yeah. They suck. Um, you got a big fat I, guy as their coach now. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. It's Illinois. Oh, okay. 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 So Ted Karras went to Illinois and Alex Kappa went to. Oh, I didn't. I don't. Who's Illinois' new head coach? Humboldt State. Brett Bielema. He's, he was there last year. You're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. You're right. Brett uh, I, every time I think of Brett Bielema, I think of that one picture we always send at him in Arkansas with like the just. The shirt off and the beer gut? No, it looks like he has a, uh, a parachute on, on his body. All right. Um, I think that just about does it um, for the pod today. Um, I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot else to litigate. So with that, we will get on out of here and we'll go watch the Reds probably lose like eight, nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I I won't be watching the Reds. Um, I, I won't be watching the Reds tomorrow. So. I'm kidding. I'll be watching. I'll be watching. I'm watching. I mean, I'm going to watch. I'm going to hate watching. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll get out of here. Who day? Who day? Who day?